0: Are you Henry? Yes. A girl named Mary called on the payphone and said she's at her parents' and you're invited to dinner.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 210. And our movie this week is 1997's Eraserhead, written and directed by David Lynch. Joining me to talk about it from 19, the open micers, it's Jay.
0: 77, not 97.
1: Did I say 97? 1977. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Movie mess with my head, man. <laughs> it is Jay and Jacob from the Open Micers. gentlemen. How are you doing?
0: Doing good, man. How are you?
1: Uh, well, um, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm recovering yeah. from watching this movie. It was something else. Um, I was
0: just gonna say um, the only really the only thing I personally have to say about this movie is what the hell did I just watch? That was weird. And thank you and good night, everybody. <laughs> here we're done here.
1: So. <laughs> It was was it all three of us watching it for the first time? Because yes, I know. Yes. Okay, so because uh, it was definitely my first time. I'll start Jacob with you. What was your knowledge or history of the movie at all prior to watching it?
2: Well, uh, thank you for kicking it over to me, Travis. And I wasn't gonna steal your thunder or interrupt you during your intro, uh, very rudely, like my co-host at the Open Micros podcast. Hey, I didn't you mean to. See what I just I wanted have to, to deal with.
0: I just wanted him to know
2: that he said 97 instead of 77. But, that's but like, wait two jump. minutes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyways, uh, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so I, I knew, or at least I thought I knew, the, like the base plot of the movie, because I had seen clips of it on Eli Roth's history of horror okay. on AMC. And so I had seen, like, I knew what the baby looked like, but I thought it was just, like, all about the baby. And he kind of went over like the body horror, you know, pioneer movie that this was. And then I watched it and I was like, Oh, this is so much weirder than anything (laughs) I could have anticipated.
1: Yes. All right. Jay, how about you? What was your sort of background or history with this movie at all?
0: The first time I ever heard of this movie, and I was telling Jacob about this, I had a cousin who lived across the street from me. And, uh, he was like, he was, he's 10 years older than me. And, um, he had a racer head T-shirt when I was a kid, so I, I and I really didn't know what what it was as a kid, you know. And uh, as I grew older, and uh, realized that you know I walking around mo- the movie st- uh, store back in the day, and I see the cover, and like, oh, that's that shirt, because you know that image, that that cover image of that movie of Henry with the like the mist behind him and yep. racer head. It's like it's it's. It's one of those images that just like burns in your memory. So, absolutely, I I would see the tape all the time, and just never picked it up. And then as I got older and got into movies, you know, I saw Clerks, Pulp Fiction, stuff like that. Really started getting into like quote unquote cinema. Sure, it was one of those movies I always wanted to get, but just never ever pulled the trigger on at, 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 the rental store, you know, it was always, and it was always in a weird spot. It was never in the same spot. Sometimes it's in drama and another video store, it's in horror yep. and another one it's in sci-fi. So it's one of those movies that like, n- you don't really know what category it's in, but then, you know, as the years went by, I it just never, it just sort of fell through the cracks and I, and I never watched it.
1: Yeah. I kind of had a similar thing. Like I had heard of it when I was real young Knew very little about it. I told the story when um, I covered another David Lynch movie, Blue Velvet. Back aways that uh, before watching it for this show, my only memory of Blue Velvet was that my mom saw it, hated it, and held a grudge hmm. against the person that had her watch it to this day. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> and when I saw it, I was like, "No, I understand why you hated it. I enjoy it. Like, yeah, I liked the movie. Like, it's hard to say I enjoyed." blue velvet but i liked the movie like the experience of watching it but i understood why she yeah. hated it but i'd so i'd heard the name david lynch and i grew up when twin peaks hit um you know i was very young but i remember it on the air and all this and then i had a friend in high school who was big into he was a big cinema guy and he would talk about a racer and i never saw it And I kind of went through a phase where I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy that. I'm just not going to watch it like that. That's just too weird for me, whatever, whatever it is. And uh, so I sort of backburnered it for a long time. But like recently I've I just got this itch to like explore David Lynch more. And so it started with I finally watched his version of Dune and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. all right, this is weird, but it's not as weird as everyone was saying it would be. And then I watched Blue Velvet. I'm like, no, okay, now I get why they say he's weird um and then Mulholland Drive was fantastic I love Mulholland Drive I'm like and when you when you suggested Racerhead yes let's do it I was not prepared for what I saw <laughs> and I went into it having no idea what I was going to going to see and I still like was just unprepared for it for any of it it's there's no point in us really trying to discuss the plot of the movie because there isn't one. Like, I love the, the IMDb blurb on it. Henry Spencer tries to survive his industrial environment, his angry girlfriend, and the unbearable screams of his newly born mutant child. I mean, that sort of tells you, but, but also not, yeah, like, at all.
0: It doesn't really even scratch the surface of what's going on in this movie.
1: And I read that the script for this movie was 22 pages. This is an 89 Dang minute man. movie. <laughs> it, that's that's insane to me. An 89 minute movie with a 22 page script because there's barely any dialogue in it. There's hardly a yeah. what, I, what, what we were like 10 minutes in before a word was really spoken. Actually, I felt we yeah. wrote
0: it down. It was 11 minutes before the first words were spoken
1: <laughs> in the movie, which is just bonkers. Um it's very student film, you can kind of tell. This was a very early on project for somebody. Even if you didn't know who David Lynch was, that has that feel about it. Then I read, this thing took five years for him to make. Jeez. <laughs> he, he worked on it for five years, parts of five years. Um, and they would tear down sets and then rebuild them. And the one, and I, I kind of want to go back and look for it. They said there was a cut where um, Jack Nance, Henry, opens the door and between the shot of him opening the door and him looking out the door, there's 18 months difference. And you can see like he looks visibly older in the next shot, which oh, wow. I'm sure I saw while I was watching the movie, but just chalked it up to like, well, David Lynch, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> you can get away with stuff like that when you're that weird. So, um, but I, so I want to know, so you, you weren't sure exactly what you saw, Jay, but what'd you think of it? Like as a, as a, film experience more so than like because it's not it's not like sitting down and watching a movie and being like yeah i had a you know i had a good time it was a good story because that it just doesn't apply yeah
0: it's not i I feel like if i would have seen this when i was younger in that cine east phase i was in where i was like i only want to watch cinema Mm -hmm. you know that type of stuff, i probably would have at least given it multiple watches to sort of absorb it you know sure but I feel like the older I get, the less uh, <laughs> <laughs> the less tolerance I have for movies. Like, this. yeah, you don't like, have I a lot just, of time left. Yeah, that's exactly it. I was think I think it's because I realize I don't have much time left on this planet, and yeah, I wasted ninety minutes watching that when I really <laughs> I didn't get anything out of it. Like I went into it at a surface level. I don't want to dig into the the deeper meaning of you know all the different weird shots that are in the movie. Like I just, I don't, I'm not going to sit there and do that anymore. Like after we watched it, me and Jacob, I immediately put on cartoons (laughs) and and Jacob was like, now
2: this makes sense. Yeah. Right. We watched Looney tunes right after. And the plot of the Looney tunes cartoon we were watching that involved dynamites and blowing people's heads off with (laughs) shotguns made more sense than 90 minutes of a racer head.
1: I will. I will agree with you on that. Um, it, it definitely would make more sense. I think. I actually am going in the opposite direction in my sort of uh, film watching curve, in that as I've gotten older, I've appreciated more the weird shit that you see in these kind of absurd or avant-garde or like just just out there filmmakers. Where, like, because one of the things that I like about David Lynch is he sets up these movies that make you ask questions and then he refuses to answer any of them. Like he never talks about Eraserhead because he doesn't want his interpretation of whatever it was to cloud what you think of it when you watch it, whoever, whoever you happen to be. He wants people to, to absorb what they're going to from it and take what they want, which is, every time, I, like he's a fascinating interview because interviewers will try to get an answer out of him and he'll just be like, he'll just dodge everything. He's like a ninja, it's, it's, fan, it's fascinating. But I think I have grown to appreciate that more than I did when I was younger, when I really wanted um, only kind of st- more structural things. So it's it's a yeah. weird thing. But then at the same time, like I saw the new D&D movie earlier today, which is about as far on the other end of the spectrum of films as you can get from this. And I had a blast. I loved every second of it. So... There's just something about the way like my movie watching is sort of unfolded where I want something like this. But then to your point, I need a palate cleanser afterwards and I need to go watch some, you know, some Garfield cartoons or something. I it just kind of felt reset. like
0: the, there was there's an underlying uh, anger in that movie. I don't know if anybody else felt that while watching Eraser. yet. I felt like there's just like a just angry at the world type of feeling to it.
1: I got some of that. I got What I got from it was more of uh, less anger and more fear. There was this fear of it. And I know one thing he did say was part of this was influenced by he grew up in a, or he lived for a period of time with his family in a real rough neighborhood of Philadelphia mm-hmm. that he said influenced kind of the tone of this. And also there's speculation that there was his fear of fatherhood because his daughter was born right around the time of this. Um, And apparently she had severely clubbed feet and needed a lot of corrective surgeries to to fix that. So whether or not, um, you know, how much of that played into his making of this or not, what I got from it was a lot of that fear-based, that leads to anger type of thing. I definitely did get that. Um, How about you, Jacob?
2: I mean, I got more anxiety... Like like if his intention was I'm gonna make a movie to where afterwards you sit there and you say to yourself I'm about to have a panic attack, <laughs> then he did his job well because every scene of this movie made me uncomfortable. It does that for
1: sure in in like visuals, but also the 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 sound, the sound throughout. Yeah. It was a while into it before I realized like we have no real soundtrack, no real music going on um mm-hmm. but this just these droning sounds in the background that just make you uncomfortable the whole time, um which is really effective and right. uh but also unsettling and <laughs> does hurt rewatchability like it's like i got I do have to be in the right mood to watch something like this, uh really anything lynch because because he does that, he puts you in an uncomfortable position on purpose and it's like, all right, you're here now soak this in and you either turn it off or you kind of have to embrace it. Um, which, you know, in the right mood, I, I kind of enjoy that. There's something about having art challenge. It's kind of like, and it's a bad example because she's not really that great, but like Yoko Ono or like noise artists like that, uh-huh. there is a time and a place where I can actually, there was a band. I remember uh, I was visiting my cousin and his the drummer of his band had this CD and it was a mini CD, but um, it had like 18 tracks on it because they were all like a minute long. It was a band called The Locust and they were this noise rock band and their songs would be like 45 seconds long, but there was something compelling about it to me Huh. at the time it was just just weird like out there noise rock but i kind of dug it and and then i listened to it like a year later i'm like why the hell did i like this this doesn't make any sense to me i just <laughs> wasn't in the mood for it, it so it's like i kind of feel like that's sort of where lynch falls in terms of filmmakers is these like just weird experimental things and
0: well that's i kind of feel that way too i mean there it, it, like I said, if I would have seen this when I was younger, I probably would have had a more of a tolerance for it. Um, and like, there's a lot of movies that I loved when I was younger that I just can't watch anymore. Like True. I used to love a clockwork orange. Like that was, uh, I, I used to watch that movie all the time. and I just can't watch it now just because of the way it makes me feel, mm-hmm. you know, like I have to be careful with what I soak into my brain these days because I'm so overly sensitive to, You know the world's shitty enough. I don't. I I watch movies to escape. Yeah, exactly. I I don't want to. After we watched that movie, the first thing I said to Jacob was, "I feel like if you ever had a pan, like a real panic attack before, and then that feeling afterwards, where your body and your mind are just kind of, just completely exhausted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's what I felt like after the
2: movie. Like it just felt really weird and uncomfortable." He yeah. almost immediately stepped on his back porch and lit up a cigarette like five <laughs> minutes from the ending credits. It's,
1: it's like that feeling if you've ever if you've ever been in a situation where like a fist fight breaks out and you get all that adrenaline. Like I worked the door at a bar yeah. for a while and a, a fight would break out in the bar. You break that all up. And then it's like five minutes later, the adrenaline all flo- flows out. And you're just like, I need uh-huh. to go sit down. I, I'm like, you're, you're just done. So I can get that. Absolutely. And I think... I think that's a thing with, with art, with film, especially that not enough people talk about is films are going to hit different in different parts of your life because you are a different person every time you see a movie and some movies, I think when you, when you find something that is timeless for you, something that you can go back and watch a lot that maybe you came across when you were younger, it's there's that combination of you're seeing it through the eyes of who you are now, but it's also taking you back to who you were when you saw it before and how, how different are those two people will determine whether or not you like something 20 years down the road. So I think that that's a, that's a big thing because I have movies that I absolutely adored as a kid. And I'm for the most part able to kind of watch them because I can sort of put myself in that frame of mind but it's not always the same thing. And then there's other th- there's other ones that I watch and I'm just like, nope, I'm transported right back to where I was and who I was at that time and I can just turn off and enjoy it just like I did that first time. Indiana Jones is that movie for me, right? That that kind uh-huh. of thing where it's just that story works so well and it takes me back to being a kid. But something like these these more difficult cinematic things, I think, change with us more so than... Than something that is very, uh, oh, the populist isn't the word I want to use because it's not quite right. But something that's a little more kind of meant for a, a broader audience. Those ten, mm-hmm. those things tend to um, not change with us as as drastically, if that makes sense.
0: As far as like weird, strange movies as well. Like you, you know, I like weird movies. I mean, oh, yeah. the first movie we we did on here was Freaked. Right, you know that's a weird movie, but it's a, a zany, madcap kind of like cartoon of a movie. But then you get something like this. This is a whole nother level of weird. Like this is cerebral
2: yeah. weird. And like, it's not I just... even weird. It's like David Lynch weird. Like he's <laughs> yeah. in his own category.
1: It's it's like watching Cronenberg too in a lot of ways. Some of his stuff, it gets that weird. Uh, angle to it I remember um, when I did Naked Lunch like that was Uh just a a weird weird movie and like it was way better than I thought like I came away from it liking the movie more than I expected to but also realizing I've got to be in the right frame of mind or this is not going to work for me at all I can absolutely Uh see why something like Eraserhead though was such a uh, popular movie amongst other directors at the time because that's one of the things you hear is uh Jacob you mentioned Eli Roth talking about it um uh George Lucas really liked this and and also Elephant Man enough that he offered uh Lynch to direct Return of the Jedi at one point mm-hmm. um Kubrick liked it uh you know all these directors really liked it and I can kind of see why this sort of feels like a a filmmaker's film it's one of those uh, types yeah. of things it's yeah. certainly not a general audience thing like th- I I know a very short list of people that haven't seen this movie yet that I would be like you should watch Eraserhead sometime that list is very short and uh because it's just it's just so weird and like grotesque is a good word for what Uh this movie is in in multiple different ways um fascinating
0: did you you find and I I don't know about you Jacob but the the gross stuff that happened toward you know towards the end of the movie like there's mm-hmm. some really gross stuff in it you find that it, it 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 it's more gross because it's in black and white or would it have been
2: more gross if it was in color
1: i absolutely uh-huh. think black and white makes it uh more effective i don't know about you jacob
2: 100% cuz i just imagine it being the grossest color it could possibly be <laughs>
1: It, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Sort of like if you if it were an audio-only medium and it was being described to you and all you were getting was sound effects, it's going to be so much more visceral in your in your brain. And I think that black and white is a big part of what makes this unsettling, along with the audio, but it's all high contrast, and that's all you get. Mm-hmm. So you don't get... Because also I think some of the color, if you were to see it in color, it sort of... There's something about that that just looks weird sometimes, especially when it's like these puppets, right? The baby, the puppet of the baby is going to be like whatever color is in your head is a lot more just gross than what they're going to show yeah. you. <laughs> um The little chickens, when that chicken started moving on the plate before he could uh. carve it.
0: <laughs> Man... Mid- me and Jacob were laughing during that scene. We thought
2: this was a comedy.
0: <laughs> it kind of and <laughs> I even said like, we we laughed more in the first twenty minutes than than I have at any comedy I've seen in the last ten ten years. Just that whole dinner scene was just
1: so out there. It's so out there and it's so awkward, and it makes like you can't help but laugh during it because otherwise. Like For me, if I'm watching this, if I'm not laughing during that scene, I don't know that I can watch it because it's so awkward and the the reactions just don't make any sense whatsoever. It's such a Lynch thing to have people just – why did all of a sudden when he – like when they're sitting on the couch and first of all, he sits down and he doesn't unbutton his jacket and then he puts one arm up on the back of the couch. and He just looks as uncomfortable as humanly possible on that couch and then when she asks him what he does for a living and he's like oh i'm on vacation and the girl on the other end of the couch just starts to like wail and rock back and forth the, and the and the mom's yeah, got to start seizure
0: yeah. the hair brushing <laughs> and so she's going to start
1: brushing her hair and he's he barely like he reacts to it a little bit but then just kind of goes on with the conversation and and then she just flips on a dime and goes right back to normal and be like he's very clever with printing Okay. I'm just going to just going to go home now, I think. And it just gets and right. and that's the tip of the iceberg. Like it gets weirder when her dad shows yeah. up.
2: <laughs> okay, look. I relate to Bill. I feel like Bill's the best character in this movie cuz he's definitely me at dinner parties. He just comes in and says, "Hi, I'm Bill. Look at my knees." <laughs> because <laughs> he doesn't know what to say
1: right and then just smile and stare prolonged right. eye contact like he just has that that unsettling smile and just stares at him um it was it was something else that whole dinner scene is just bizarre and then the chicken uh, and i wrote some <laughs> notes here
0: the chicken started to i guess menstruate i don't and the mom then the did the was the mom having an orgasm? I'm like not, what was
1: happening? I really I don't know. i I don't I, I just I'm not sure. it was it was strange. and then and then as soon as like it started abruptly and then it just ended abruptly with her getting up and and like storming out of the room. Meanwhile, the chicken is not only is there stuff flowing out of it, but the legs are moving, and he's <laughs> just holding the carving fork and knife the whole time and finally just sets it down and that's when bill just asked him like what do you know um not really anything
0: (laughs) he's like do i cut it like a regular chicken (laughs) yes (laughs) cut it like a regular chicken Like, like this thing's like like the size of your phone like it's the tiniest chicken you've ever seen
1: i know i've seen cornish game hens bigger than that like it was just it was so bizarre
0: and the... then they have the whole scene where they they go out, and the mom asks Henry if him if him and a, <laughs> and their, her daughter have had sex? have sexual intercourse, and he doesn't answer, and she starts making out with him, and she calls for the, he calls for the girlfriend, and she comes around and and yells at the mom, and I'm just like, this is
2: what is going <laughs> on right now. Have you had that central intercourse? Well, you're about to. Yeah, no. <laughs> Whether you did or not. <laughs> like, as,
1: as if because leading up to this, it's just one weird thing after the other. Like, there's the before that, there's the shot of the mom in the kitchen making a salad. And she's just and dumping old lady. It, She's dumping stuff into the bowl, puts like a whole bottle of salad dressing on it, and then takes the bowl and puts it on grandma's lap, who's just catatonic. Right and has grandma toss ta- like toss the salad around in the bowl with the with the fork and spoon, but does everything for her. Then just puts a cigarette in her mouth and walks away. <laughs> grandma just sits there the whole time, never moves. I don't, I don't know what was going on. It was like every time I thought this movie couldn't, this scene couldn't get more bizarre and more awkward, it it was like, no, hold my beer, we got more for you. That's um,
0: what I feel like this whole movie is. It's like every time you think it can't get any weirder he just the next scene he's gonna push it even further the weirdness and to until it's just to it to where i guess he must have just ran out of of scenes to add into the
2: movie like it just he he out weirded himself well we mentioned i mentioned this to you on the couch watching the movie with the acting in the movie it seems like it's the worst beginners improv class you have ever seen where no one knows what to do next and they're just trying to yes and their way out of the situation <laughs> and it turns and it ends in sexual assault like every other improv class.
1: <laughs> it it does kind of feel like that and I'm wondering how much of the 22 page script had actual dialogue in it.
2: Right. Yeah, he probably didn't give him any direction at all. He was like, there's no way you can screw this up. Go ahead.
1: Right, you can't you can't possibly do it wrong cuz there's nothing written, so have fun. Um I did It see... might have
0: just been just like here's the scene, uh blah 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 says this or a, a conversation happens. Yeah. And they he starts filming and he's just like just say whatever comes into your head, no matter no matter how weird it is, just say it.
1: <laughs> um and just like uh, the people that work with David Lynch tend to to be of similar mind to him because, like I said, he'll, he'll make you ask questions and then refuse to answer them. Even Jack Nance would go, uh, never really knew or cared what it meant, the movie. And people would ask him and he's like, you guys just get way in too deep in this. It's just a movie. Like that was his thing. And this is a guy who worked on this movie for five years. And he's just like, whatever. It was a movie. It was a paycheck, you know. That was, that was what it was yeah. for him. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know what else to really say about it as a movie. It's, it's an experience. I think more than anything, I can also see why people, why I know people who said, uh, watching this high, um, was,
0: I don't, I wouldn't do it. I, I, I don't wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I don't
1: think I could uh, condone doing that because I'm not sure what would happen to you. Um, your brain may actually eat itself. Uh, so what was,
0: what that. what was your interpretation of the part where uh it's the st- they go to the stage and the lady is on stage doing you know holding her hands and she's like smiling and singing and she's got these weird growths on her cheeks
2: and sh- and and were those
0: supposed to be sperm's
2: like yeah falling? i felt like it was the sperm and the egg and the sperm kept missing the egg and she was like stomping on them
1: that's one interpretation. I can see that. Um, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. I was so confused by that, that whole thing because what I was trying to figure out is how much of this is like playing out in his head, how much of it is dreams or like subconscious stuff because he would lay down on the bed and then we would get like a shot of a wall and sort of the light change. And then things would get really bizarre for a while and then we come back to him in that room again. Right. And we would just keep cycling through that like at one point when when he and the girlfriend are sleeping in the bed and she's getting all upset at the baby and finally says that's it i'm going going back to my parents house. And then there's like
2: the five minutes of her
1: getting the suitcase out from under the bed as he just lays there. We were we were
0: cracking up during that part like Jacob came over to my house to watch it yesterday, and that part when she's trying to get the the suitcase from under the bed, dude, we were howling laughing. I mean, it's, you have no part. idea
2: what she's doing no. until she pulls out a suitcase. So she's just ramming herself into the bed frame over and over again, making weird noises, until and it went she went on out with a suitcase.
1: And it went on for so long. It goes on for so long. you all you're hearing is these weird noises, and she's holding eye contact with him the whole time. and then and then, at the end of it, it's just, oh, it was her suitcase, and she just walks out of the room. And so he's left in there. And then it's like, what? a scene later, suddenly, there, she's back in the bed, but like yeah. wrapped up in a in a sheet, and yeah. there's the weird little worm things he keeps pulling out of like and throw, he's yeah. pulling them off the bed and throwing them against the wall. It so was, just,
0: was the, the baby one of those worm things
2: just large? I feel like it's a more developed worm thing, and I feel like the little worm things are like an interpretation of sperm because they all look like sperms. And then the baby just looks like a, a tiny bit more developed sperm.
1: Yeah, um, that that makes as much sense as anything honestly because (laughs) it looks like he's
2: pulling it like out of her he's going under the sheet by her legs and pulling those things out
1: yeah it was just so so strange and just got weirder and i mean look credit to jack nance i actually thought for as weird a movie as this was i thought his performance was kind of good given yeah just the bizarre nature of everything going on like He he remained in that character and he was consistent throughout the whole movie, which that's always the thing. Like That's the the easiest way to tell, to spot bad acting and amateur acting is inconsistency. They change from scene to scene. And he was just like, he was spot on the whole way. It's just damn weird.
0: Well, that's another thing that he should be applauded for because when you're making, like as an actor, I wouldn't know what to do in that role especially with somebody like David Lynch because you know he's the type of director that's not gonna give you what you're supposed to be doing I wouldn't think it's more like make it your own type of thing like here's here's the scene go yeah and I wouldn't know like because 90% of his performance is just reacting to things and feeling these like emotions on his mm. face because he's not saying anything but you understand what his emo- emotions are at that moment because he he ha- is emoting through his face but yeah. to know well, I mean how, how do you know what the hell's going
2: on in the scene <laughs> <laughs> well you know look, good acting's reacting Jason and you're an actor and you should know that but he's not reacting to anything like he's just
0: he's most of the time he's in that room by himself and he's reacting to you know, the, the baby or, like, looking at things. Like, what is that little worm thing he, he like, took out of his, uh, that Oh, he took out of his mailbox inside. and, yeah. Yeah, what was that?
1: Never figured that part out. That was of, uh, in a movie full of extremely bizarre things, that was the one that made me scratch my head the most because it's like, he had checked, the first time we meet him, he checks his mailbox, there's nothing in there, and he goes up to his room. Um, but he comes back down later and we don't know how much time has gone by because apparently they're married now. Um, right. least- yeah, well,
0: That's what I asked Jacob. I was like, did we have a time jump or something like that? Because it went from the dinner and then the next few scenes are them in the room with the baby, you know, apparently married at this point.
1: So, yeah, but then he when he finds that that tiny little box and he leaves the apartment and he opens it outdoors and gets the little worm out of it, but then puts it back and then he takes it back to the apartment and puts it in like the little sort of cubby case that he had on the, on the wall. And he just occasionally opens it up and looks at that for whatever, like stares longingly at it. I don't know. It's, it's odd, but you're right in that he's mostly reacting to things and looking confused. Um, but doing a, I felt like he just did a really good job with it. Um, but yeah, it's, he's got to react to like these odd things that are going on because another thing was the baby puppet, whatever they used to make it like Lynch wouldn't tell anybody how it was done. And he that did a lot so of the puppeteering gross. and it was, <laughs> ugh, man, it was just like yuck. But even when he would watch dailies, he would make the projectionist cover his eyes. So he didn't see like the process of how it worked. And they had, uh. I guess they had a fake uh, wake for that thing because he buried it in an undisclosed location. And they had, like, at the rat party, they had a wake for the baby. <laughs> wow. At least according to All trivia. Right I mean, take that with a grain <laughs> of salt, but given that it's David Lynch, I kind of believe it happened because um, it just seems like the type of thing he would do.
0: Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I could see him doing something like that. That that actually checks out.
1: And it was just, that baby was such a difficult thing to look at, and yet it was like a car crash. You didn't want to see it, but then it would be on screen, and you're like, I can't stop watching. What is it doing? Why Is it crying or laughing? Towards the end, it sounded like it was laughing the whole time, and that yeah. was mm-hmm. far worse than when it was just a crying baby in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> because all of a sudden it's getting maniacal and I don't like that uh because it tells me that it's getting more intelligent and no burn it kill mm-hmm. it with fire um <laughs> you know and he's seeing like people get assaulted outside there were scenes cut out of this the the first screening of it I think was like 45 minutes longer or something or 20 I'm minutes maybe that. it was maybe it was 20 <laughs> minutes longer and he cut he cut it down to 89 minutes but there were like more scenes that that just sound bizarre like,
0: how many times even- how many
2: times did I check it, Jacob, to see how many minutes we had? Oh, yeah, left <laughs> you, you paused it like every twenty minutes to be like, "Are we almost done?" Because <laughs> this feels like we've been here for hours.
1: It is it, because there's no music. There's almost no dialogue. The pacing is so just glacial. Like it mm-hmm. just the pacing of this. This is an hour and twenty nine minutes that feels like three hours. It's sort of the opposite yeah. of. Lord of the Rings or The Green Mile, which is a three-hour movie that feels like two. Um, and I think a lot of it is that that sound, that constant droning sound in the background. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, just, oh, it it's hard. Because I hear that in my ears all the time anyway. I get tinnitus really bad, and or tinnitus, depending on who you talk to. Um, and so I hear that. And then when a movie's doing it, I'm like, you're, you're not making this any easier for me, movie. Come on. <laughs>
2: Like it, it boggles my mind as to like what like you watch the original cut of this movie, and like at what parts are you like that doesn't need to be in there?
1: (laughs) How do you cut because you could have done that with the
2: whole film, and the whole film could have been a ten minute short film if you just took what was important that made any sort of sense in the movie. This could have been a ten minute movie by all means.
1: Absolutely, I mean. And yet, here's here's the funny thing: was it debuts in 1977, uh, and 25 people were at the debut, and 24 I people the it. second night. But after that, uh, a distributor for uh, was it Libra Films International got a local theater to show it as a midnight film for like a year. So this thing ran in a theater for a couple of years as like a midnight special basically Mm -hmm. um and it's sort of like i get it that's the crowd that's going to enjoy this but it's that's the 70s like that's the type of of what the what the industry was like at that time you could get that there's a little regional show it in one theater or you know a couple of theaters in this area are going to show it every night uh once a week whatever it is uh you don't get that anymore that type of thing doesn't really happen these days nowadays it would be a Kind of thing that would go onto one of the smaller streaming services if it did at all um, and it's hard to say what kind of notoriety something like that could even garner.
0: I don't even think this movie would even get any sort of attention and to these days. I mean, the only way this movie does what it does and becomes kind of the the cult thing that it is is because it came out when it did. And like you said, it became that kind of that midnight movie thing, that that weird movie, you know, I watched this weird movie over the weekend, you should go see it, you know, that yeah. type of thing.
1: The late night cigarette crowd wanting to go, you know, sit in a smoky theater, watch something and then go have coffee and talk about it afterwards. And it was partially funded by the American Film Institute. He got a grant from the AFI to make this Um Although I think after like three years of productions when he ran out of money on that and then he had to scrounge to get okay. the rest of it. Um, but yeah, it's just so it, it's, it's a product of its time, but it also helped to give us the start of a career of a filmmaker who I think has done some really incredible stuff, even if it's not all for you. Like, again, you might not be a fan of something like Blue Velvet or his, cut, his version of Dune or I guess the butchered version of what he did for dune because he took his name off of it um but right after this movie you know a couple years later is when he made the elephant man and that really kind Mm -hmm. of helped solidify him as a as a director and he made himself into he never let himself get pigeonholed into like i'm a film director only because if you look at his imdb list now after Mulholland Drive, uh, there was a long period of time where it was just all videos and shorts. And then he had this series of things he was doing for a while a few years ago that was just David Lynch every day giving you the weather. So that. <laughs> like, he just does the things he wants to do, and more power to him. But yeah, I do feel like had he not been born when he was – and started his film career when he did, it's hard to say if he could have made the career that he did. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I enjoy uh, most of his stuff. You you know, like, I I am a fan of that original Dune movie that he did. I uh, I liked Blue Velvet. I liked Mulholland Drive. I watched it multiple times. I I loved Twin Peaks. mm -hmm. You know, it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time, but... It is a lot of hit and miss when it comes to him because sometimes like this, there's just stuff that I'll watch it and I'm like, all right, that was that. But this was kind of, this was top of the line David Lynch right here. This was
2: (laughs) (laughs) top shelf David Lynch. I'm a very simple man, okay? (laughs) I've I've got like a fifth grade reading level and (laughs) just when you put something like this in front of me and say, hey... What do you think that means? Like, I watched Nope for the first time, Mm -hmm. like a week ago. okay. And in in the movie Nope, there's very clear semblances or or resemblances in the movie. This obviously resembles this, and it's pretty clear anyone can put it together. And I didn't like it (laughs) because I don't like having to put things together like that. Give me John Wick Chapter 4. In my face right now, I just want to see people get shot and things blow up.
1: And and what's great is that movies give us all of those things. Right? They can yeah. they can be John Wick, they can be uh, you know, Star Wars, where it's a very simple story and they're gonna tell you that story. Again, I go back to the D movie that I watched, uh, Honor Among Thieves earlier today. Um, it's a very simple, straightforward story. They tell it well, it's enjoyable, it's entertaining. And you come out of that and you're like, that was a good use of, that was a, that was a fun two hours. I had a good adventure. And the other end of that spectrum is you get this pure distilled, uh, version of David Lynch, which is just like nobody to rein him in. And so he's just going to say, here's some, here's some shit, figure it out. He's going to throw all the pieces of the puzzle at you. And you get to put it together however you want. And if you ask him, well, is that what this means? He'll say, Sure, if that's what it means to you. Mm. And so it's like but it's the difference in artists.
2: David Lynch isn't even giving us the whole puzzle box though. He's he's giving us five pieces and keeping the other ninety-five.
1: <laughs> You're probably not wrong there. He he gives you a, he's
0: with this movie, he gave us a thousand piece puzzle of black sky <laughs> at
1: night with no right. corner pieces <laughs> that's that's the thing there there is no corner pieces in this at all you gotta no edges and you know
0: as a palette cleanser i found fast five on blu-ray at the thrift store the other day and i watched that last night i watched the extended cut of fast five which was over three hours long and it felt shorter than a racer head
1: (laughs) no is fast five the one where they have the car chase on the airport runway with the plane
0: no this is the one where they uh they drag the safe down the down the street with two cars the first one with the rock fast five
1: got it yeah okay it must be four that has the plane where it's like the never-ending runway because you know i
0: never i never would have given those movies a chance a couple of years ago until a friend of mine who was also a a cinephile, Uh you know, loves movies said, you have to give these movies a chance. They started out as one thing and then they became like superhero movies without the capes. (laughs) And I was like, all right. And then we watched six and seven, I think back to back. And I was obsessed from that point. Like, how did you go from the first one to these?
1: So, so I have watched exactly one Fast and Furious movie, and that's the first movie. That's the only one I've ever seen. Um, but I have had a desire to just dive into that franchise and watch them all just for the, the sheer inter, inter, pardon me, entertainment value of like, what do they do? Because I watch these trailers and I see clips from them and I'm like, what is going on here? They, they have, th- that movie has a, a chase scene on an airport runway with a plane that never takes off. It it dry yeah. it goes for fifteen minutes on a on a runway. That, like, well,
0: that's I just, what I said when we were watching the movie. I'm like this this plane's been going on this runway for like eighteen miles. Like how long is this runway?
1: The chase started at LAX. It ended in Las Vegas. Like, <laughs> and the plane never left the ground. I don't understand how that works. But like, I just the i think superhero movies without the capes is a great way to put it that's what they feel like to me at this point cuz you're watching i'm watching these trailers and i'm like so they're just they're just going like Stephen Summers style like physics be damned we don't care it's my movie i just cuz that was there's no physics <laughs> there was a there was a great uh, quote from steven summer's in his commentary track i think it was on the mummy returns where There's a scene in The Mummy Returns where they have to race um, to that pyramid before the sun hits it in the morning. Mm. Uh, They have to get the kid there or something's going to happen. And I'm watching it with the commentary track and Summers is like, yeah, so people kind of have a problem with this scene because like Brendan Fraser's got to run and the sun is coming up. He's got to make it to this point before the sun does. And... I mean, look, it's my movie, and if I need Brendan Fraser to run faster than the speed of light for the scene to work, then he just does. That's just how it goes. It's Stephen Summers' physics, um, which I held with, and I, and I stayed with him on that until I saw his version of G.I. Joe, and that movie finally broke me. Like, because there's a scene in that movie where his Steven Summers' physics goes too far, where they have a giant uh, iceberg that's floating, and then they blow it up into smaller icebergs that all sink and i the face you're giving me right now jay is almost exactly what i did in the theater i'm sitting there watching this and i kind of leaned back and i'm like you've lost me movie we can't i can't be friends with you anymore like i'm i'm not leaving because i don't leave movies but i'm no longer invested in whatever is happening here like how you make the big piece of ice into smaller pieces of ice that then sink i don't know there there are some things that's a bridge too far but I still want to watch all the Fast and Furious movies and see just how much of a I'm middle finger you. they can give to physics.
0: You have to because they just get more and more ridiculous as they go along and they just get more and more enjoyable. Like They're, <laughs> they're on par with Marvel movies to me.
1: And I think, I, I think a big thing with movies and with it like reviewing and talking about movies is also taking it for what it is. Take a film on what it's trying to be right Eraserhead's head's not going to work for everybody because it's trying to be messed up and weird and bizarre and and hurt your brain and Mm -hmm. that's not going to work for everybody but then you can go and and watch uh you know fast and furious 10 and it's not trying to be anything more than just a dumb thing with a bunch of explosions and michael bay that's I will defend Michael Bay as a director. A lot of people talk about how bad... He's not a bad director. He's just a director that knows what he's good at, and he does that. Now, sometimes I think he does it too much. I really think he kind of almost... I almost feel like he peaked with the island, and since then, he's just been retreading too much of the same thing. But he knows what he's good at, which is the visuals uh, of of these bombastic just big loud things but he always makes something that's compelling to look at. So for that I think he's fine. He just it's sort of like George Lucas. George Lucas isn't a good director. Right? He's not a, he's not a great auteur, but he can come up with a fun little story and market the hell out of it. Just pass off the screenwriting to someone else, George. Let someone else write the dialogue <laughs> and and you'll be fine. Um but I think that that's a big thing with movies is it's kind of a, as we talked, as I, as I mentioned earlier, and we sort of talked about, is it, like who you are when you see a movie, but also what is that movie trying to give you and trying to be, and are you accepting of what it's trying to be? Because I
2: feel, go I feel like this movie was trying to give me hep C. Like being <laughs> honest.
1: I mean, you're not wrong.
2: <laughs>
1: it was certainly trying to make you feel like something was crawling on your skin or like, like, uh, like things were, were moist all the time. There was a there was oh, yeah. a lot of moisture yeah. and dust in the air. There was a lot of particulate in the air. Um, I do say that that shot, though, of him with the hair, because he kept his hair like that for the entirety of making this movie, which is dedication from an actor. Because yeah. that can't have been easy to do. That was some tall hair.
0: I will right. say that was a great shot. I mean, that's why it made the poster and all the, you know, Advertisement for that movie because that's just a great shot
1: it it looks awesome it it makes for a, a just a great still frame um because it's memorable and in the right ways you could mm-hmm. have used the grotesque baby as memorable uh but it's memorable for all the wrong reasons so yeah <laughs> i'm glad they I'm glad they went with a shot of jack Nance instead um no I just I think that this was, I'm glad that I saw this movie and I'm glad that you guys got to see it and sort of go through that experience, at least to know sort of what something like Racerhead is.
2: Yeah, I, I personally, when we were watching it, I thought to myself that this would make a perfect commentary track for our podcast because we would be pausing it. Laughing so hard, making fun of how ridiculous this is and how seriously it's taking itself. yeah
1: yeah, and it is interesting, isn't uh to, to see something that is it's sort of like um John Waters is very similar if you ever watch any of his movies where the stuff mm-hmm. that's going on on screen is just bonkers, but it's doing it's going at it so hard like it's just so yeah. determined to do whatever yeah. is going on and but you and, and you can't help but laugh like and and yeah. sort of there and and you sort of feel in a way you kind of feel like you're in on the joke you just don't know what the joke is
0: yeah. right <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I think, I've, especially with like this movie, like Jacob said, it just made us feel so uncomfortable at some points that you can't do anything but
2: laugh at what's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And dude, there are parts where it's just plain annoying too. Like we oh, mentioned, yeah. her getting the suitcase under the bed for way too long. There's also the scene where he's dreaming or whatever, and he kills himself, and the kid finds his head and takes it to this factory. And he goes up to the counter and the guy's just going bzz, 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 for a solid three minutes. And then this fat guy in a suit comes barely through the door and yells, OK, Paul!
1: and and as the audience, you're like, yes, I agree with this guy. Shut. Quit hitting the stupid button.
2: And, then Paul tries to go back with him and he's just like, no desk paul jacob was
0: laughing so hard during that part when that dude came out and yelled okay paul that's why i I I was saying i hope you got that i hope you captured that
1: oh that one i did not and i wish i had because it's so it's such a good moment but like how do you there's no way that people weren't cracking up on the set when that happened like that's because it's just delivered so perfectly
2: I started laughing like halfway through the buzzer beating because I thought he was going (laughs) to, you know, hit it like maybe five times. Yeah. But it's just constant for at least two minutes. Just.
0: But it's it's exactly like Jacob said. That whole scene is starts off on the stage again where the lady was stomping the the sperms or whatever. He he, his own head gets cut off. The baby's head comes out of the neck and is yelling and the lady's there the and then it the kid comes in or the the head goes through the floor into through a puddle look, lands in look, the street
2: by, by the way when the head lands a little boy takes it up and picks it and like picks it up and takes it and there's an old homeless man on the street <laughs> who re- tries to reach for it like he wants it more than anything in the world this Any- severed head and he takes it to, like you said, this factory
0: where the guy puts a drill into it and pulls whatever the inside of the drilled out into this machine, which it puts pencil erasers into these pencils. <laughs>
2: yeah, eraser head. Like how? How do you?
0: What? Like how do you explain this to people? Like how, it, that happened in the movie in that order.
1: Yeah. How do you get from A to B to C on that? Like what? How, how many drugs over what period of time do you have to consume in order for that to like just flow out of you? Um, even though, according to the trivia, David Lynch found transcendental meditation during the making of this movie and stopped smoking and drinking, um, and became and went vegetarian while he was making this movie. So, uh, wow! Which
2: vegetarian with a side of DMT?
1: Yes, there you go. Well, I mean, that's all. There. Oh. Right.
0: <laughs> another another little fact that I had to point out to Jacob. I I knew I recognized that guy that uh, the pencil guy, that was at the pencil eraser machine, was mm-hmm. the guy that ended up playing um, T- Ted Theodore Logan's dad in the oh, yeah. uh, Bill and Ted movies. Oh
1: yeah, that is him, isn't it? Yeah. He did look familiar.
0: I was like, that who is that guy? And I looked it up, and it was him. It was from Bill and Ted.
1: Yeah, Hal and Ted. Yep. Yep. Huh. Did not. And I, also like,
2: there were, there are only like six out uh, actors in this movie.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Very small. I guess when you're making a movie over five years, you can't really have a big cast because people are going to yeah. want to go on and actually do something else at some point.
0: Well, what took five years? <laughs> Seriously? Like what about this movie took five well, years? I mean, this is I, this 90% of this movie is one guy
1: in a room. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I'm sure that was the first year of it was shooting the easy stuff.
1: That and uh like I say, he ran out of money at one point. So he had to like yeah. spend a bunch of time finding money to rebuild sets and probably props, I think would be the yeah. other the other big thing, but it, and this was his it's first a movie as well. So. Yeah. Like it was his right. first feature. Like
2: he, he he had no idea what he was doing. We saw that very clearly. He he didn't even know what he was doing. Yeah, and no, people had...
0: could say what. Well, I hope I don't make people angry that love this movie, but to me personally, this movie looks terrible. Yeah, like the all two of will be okay. <laughs> the lighting was just bad for a black and white movie. It just it was hard
1: to look at. No, did you watch this on HBO Max? Yes. Okay, because I did too, and uh, the transfer was actually pretty good. Like. It didn't look uh, – it was dark. Yeah, and that's in, my problem
0: with it. Everything was so hard to see.
1: Yeah, I think some of that is that 70s era filmmaking and the way lighting was done. Because I just recently watched um, the movie Magic for the first time. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Anthony Hopkins where he plays a ventriloquist. No. But that was – it's, it's it's very firmly – a 1978 film. And you can tell just by the lighting and sort of the, it looks like the exorcist or like French connection or any of those kinds of movies, sort of that seventies era. And this had that feel just in black and white. And it's got that darkness to it that it's very muddled. Like it's high. There's a lot of contrast, but then there's a lot of shots that don't have much going on. There's almost all black. And then you're slowly seeing something eventually come out of that, that shot with her fate, with the woman's face from across the hall. That yeah. was one of those. It just kept cutting back to this all black, and he kept like, "What's going to happen? What's going to happen?" Part of me is like, "There is going to be some sort of crazy jump scare here," and it never was. It was just a slow reveal of whatever was there. But,
2: yeah, I am sure that meant something too, something to do with death or like super profound that just no one cares to recognize.
1: Oh, I am sure it has some meaning behind it. That and and honestly, the the thing is, is like, there is going to be a lot of people that will find meanings in there and then there's going to be right. other people that are like Jack Nance that are just like, whatever, dude, it was a movie. I was in it. I don't care. I don't know what it was about, and I don't care what it was about. Um, <laughs> And that's what David Lynch would tell what me. Was the, what was the thing at the beginning
0: of the movie and towards the end, like that ball of that planet or whatever?
1: Yeah. I,
0: yeah, what was that?
1: I have no idea. I really don't know. Like right. it was some sort of uh, – I'm sure it's
0: Jacob. I was like, is that the, is that the MST three K moon? Like, what is that?"
1: (laughs) It did look like it, didn't it? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I I can't even figure out like what it's supposed to try and represent. Like I just, I don't have, I might have to watch it again. I don't know if I'd have the mental bandwidth to figure that out because it's got some (laughs) weird, some weird guy sitting inside of it. That's like pulling big levers and then stuff happens. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Again, it's well, a...
2: that guy is credited as the man inside of the earth. So okay. It had to have been the earth.
1: Hmm. I just this is less a I'm going to sit down and watch a movie and more like I'm going to sit down and, and experience something. And it's, right. it's kind of like uh, seeing kind of um, I mean, improv theater is a good way to put it. Right. Because that's sort of what it feels like. It's just it's just improv theater with a budget and they put it on film. Um, and I think that there is something to be said for that, uh, and it it can be enjoyable in the right mindset. Um, and it's, but it's certainly not for everyone, but I think that if you are at all curious about cinema, because as Jay, as you said, kind of the younger cinephile version of you, I think if you're interested in cinema, I think something like this is worth sitting through at least once to sort of be like, yeah, you know, because you might might take something from this and be like, okay, so you really can just do anything you want and put Mm -hmm. it on film, and there you go. So it's sort of that experience that I think is worthwhile if you're into cinema. It's kind of Mm – Clockwork Orange is a good example of another movie because that's a hard one to watch. Yeah. But if you're into cinema (laughs) – Anything Kubrick really, if you're into cinema, I think is worth trying to experience. This was, apparently, this was a movie he made the cast and crew of The Shining Watch to get into the mindset of making a horror film. So.
0: So do you feel, do you think this movie is horror or is it sci fi or is it just in a category of its own? Because.
1: That's hard. It really is kind of undefinable, but if I had to put, if I had to sort it with things, I'm going to put it into some kind of a horror genre um, because it's much more psychological horror than really sci-fi to me um, because it really internalizes a lot of stuff and, and puts you in an uncomfortable position and then it keeps you there and it makes you sort of ride out that uncomfortable situation. You have to sit through this awkward dinner with this family that you don't even know why it's so awkward. And you never re like you sort of get an idea why the mom is upset, but then why does bill not care at all? Yeah. There's like that, There's that, like
0: that underlying sense of dread, yes. you know, through mm-hmm. everything.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I only captured three audio clips, but they, they're, they're just fun to play. Cause I've never heard this be used as a way to say I'm unemployed before once you ask him what he does, and he just says,
2: Uh oh, I'm on vacation.
1: Okay. I mean he's unemployed. How long was this vacation? No doubt. Yeah, I want right. some of that vacation. Um I'm kidding. And the other two are just Bill. Uh and it was Well Henry, what do you know? What do you know? <laughs> trying to trying Bill to start coming. Bill was great. The B- Bill was also
0: I thought I heard a stranger. We've got chicken tonight. Strangest damn things—they're man-made. Little damn things, smaller than my fist, but they're new. I'm Bill.
1: I'm Bill. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> what? A, what a great introduction! I wish you would have
0: captured the. I wish you would have captured the. Check out my knees. <laughs> Look at my knees. <laughs> I wanted
1: to, but that the background noise was so loud at that point, with what sounded like a train oh, going yeah. by. That it got muddled yeah, that was, and it wasn't
0: like, That was another thing throughout the movie. There was always a train going by. Like in it, the back.
2: It wasn't the it wasn't the train, it was the pipes. He was talking about the pipes, the pipes go off, and he goes into this tirade about his yeah. knees. It's like yeah. the, the industrialized pipes are so loud inside everyone's houses.
1: Yeah. Um, but it definitely they made it sound like a train kind of going by and then he's yelling yeah. about the pipes and pipes. Everybody thinks pipes just grow in their house. Look at my knees. <laughs> and then the mom's just like, Bill, shut up. Get out of here. And like shoes him into the kitchen.
2: Bill seems like a D-level Rick and Morty character. <laughs> I'm Bill. Look at my knees. I'm Bill. He
1: was, he was the best character in the movie. I mean, let's be honest. Like there's the whole scene where he takes, he's basting the chickens while they're in the oven. That uh, tiny, yeah. that little tiny easy bake oven he was cooking dinner in. Yeah. And then he takes he takes the pan out of the oven with with oven mitts with like hot pads and sets it on top of another pan to then carry it out to the table. Which yeah. I, I got very confused. I got confused by a lot of things in this, but for some reason that like stuck with me. Like, why are you putting a pan on top of a different pan to carry it? Like, yeah, like, sure. Why not? We're, we're mixing salad in the flip. sink.
0: You should just keep that little clip on your phone, but whenever you're hanging out with somebody and your guys are gonna go out to dinner, they're like, "What do you want to eat tonight? We're having
1: chicken tonight." <laughs> Damn, this thing, little things. <laughs> oh, I'm, <those>. Bill. <laughs> I'm Bill. I'm <laughs> Bill. <laughs> oh, so so weird. But you know, honestly, I'm glad that I saw this, and thank you both both of you for enduring it with me. Um, oh,
2: you're welcome. <laughs>
1: I feel like, uh, like at I some said, point I'm going to be gotten back for this, though. Like, I have to prepare.
0: <laughs> it's, I, it's something that I, I've always wanted to watch, and I'm glad I did, but now I'm kind of glad it's out of the way, <laughs>
2: and I, I don't have to wonder yeah. anymore. I think it's good that you had two comedians watch this movie, <laughs> because that's the only real take I feel like you can get away from it.
1: I think so. I think I, I kind of I'm I remind myself, or I, I go back to thinking about when I saw Zardoz, and it's something that I've always wanted to see, and I finally saw it. And my comment on that review was, I've seen Zardoz, so you don't have to. Like, we've seen <laughs> yeah. Eraserhead, now you don't have to. Um, right. And if you're really curious about it, it is on HBO Max. You can go spend an hour and a half watching it. But um, whatever whatever you prepare yourself for, it, it won't be right. You're not ready. Oh, yeah. If you... If you don't understand David Lynch or haven't seen any of his stuff before. Don't start with Eraserhead, certainly, because it's not accessible. <laughs> um,
0: I just feel like you have to be a certain, like you said, in a certain headspace, but also a certain type of uh, film person. Like you, sure. if you're in, a, in an area of your life where you're really getting into film and you want to see, just watch everything that's. Ever been made. Yep. That's the time to watch it. Don't just like, huh, I wonder what Eraserhead's about. You know, you're <laughs> flipping through HBO Max, like, what's this movie?
2: And you start watching it. Yeah. You are not going to have a good time. No. <laughs> I no. If... Go ahead. Or if you're like super hardcore into drugs and you're like, man, nothing's going to make me feel different ever again. <laughs> Take a whole bunch of mushrooms and watch this movie.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you don't watch Eraserhead if what you want is a movie to just be entertaining it's sort of like don't sit down and listen to you know progressive uh metal or like old old genesis or early pink floyd if you don't want to just sit and go down the rabbit hole like
2: that's what you're doing and watch it with a friend watch it with a friend because if you watch it by yourself you're either gonna turn it off or you're gonna have like really dark
1: thoughts (laughs) (laughs) it's also true (laughs) it's very true um so you two do a show called open micers together
2: allegedly yes (laughs)
1: tell tell people about that show where can they find it what's it about what do you guys do that because some some people might not be familiar with it yet
2: tell them jacob oh all right i'm getting kicked over so open micers is a uh, a comedy podcast where we interview people from all over the entertainment industry We mostly interview uh, famous or regional comedians, but we've also had on podcasters, actors, musicians, uh, anyone that we're really interested in and can kind of, you know, have fun conversations or, or promote whatever they're doing. We also have tons of episodes where it's just me and Jason talking. So, I mean, if you, if you like just funny banter between the two of us, we've been told that like everyone's favorite thing is our chemistry of us making fun of each other every episode. Um, Definitely check us out because it's 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 like pretty it's pretty much like every other comedy podcast. Like if you like comedy podcasting, you'll like our show.
1: Absolutely, it it is and a Travis, good
0: show. Travis has been on the show, so if you like this show, go back to uh, what about twenty fifteen twenty episodes ago uh, when you were on about a dozen or so episodes. Travis yeah. was on. And uh yeah, that was a good that was a really fun episode. And we're going to have you on again soon, too.
1: Abs- absolutely. I'll do it anytime. Uh, I had a great time with it and it is a it's a fun show and yeah, if you like this conversation tonight, you'll like Open Micers. So definitely check it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we don't take ourselves too seriously, so it, <laughs> if you like a, you know more vulgar humor as, as well. We sure. we pretty much talk about everything.
1: Well, you know it's We're the, not it's the after dark crowd.
0: We're right. not the eraser head of podcasts. We're the freaked of
1: podcasts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. You're the fun kind of weird.
0: Yeah, we're the fun weird.
1: That's that works. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on tonight. This was great. Anytime you want to come back. Um we'll we'll thank find something you. maybe a little less odd and a little more yeah. kind of we'll we'll find something a little more mainstream that that somebody hasn't seen and we'll watch that. Um, for sure
2: thanks for having us
1: but yes definitely thank you so much uh this show i record uh live on sunday nights 8 p.m eastern time at twitch.tv slash tv stravis show comes out on wednesdays anywhere you get your podcasts or just go to tvstravis.com you can find all my shows there you can find all the uh, merchandise and ways to support the show patreon uh i've got for as little as a dollar an episode to to for this particular show um and uh it's all at tvstravis.com a wonderful site put uh put together by my friend bombats bjorn uh thank you so much for that next week i have lisa from the i love that movie podcast coming on and we have uh we have a fun movie that uh, you'll just have to wait and find out about um because we haven't decided what it is yet and that'll be that'll be next week uh and i've got some more fun stuff coming down the pipeline soon uh, including a return of the group from the so wizard podcast and they they were on a couple years ago i'm looking forward to having them back on too so lots of fun stuff coming um but jay jacob thank you so much for being here tonight
2: thank you absolutely thanks for having us Yeah,
1: and uh, until next time, until next week, remember to enjoy your movies and let's be excellent to each other. This has been Wait You Haven't Seen.
0: Chickens. Sure, just cut them up like regular chickens.
1: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>